What's going on, great friends? How we doing? Today is Tuesday. It's October 3rd. You guys know me by now, man. I don't I know what day it is more often than not. I don't know what the date is. So I gotta look up in my computer here and find out. And I'm actually glad I know that the date is on the computer. So it's October 3rd. It's Tuesday. We're just getting going. We're gonna have a great day. Listen, you guys always tell me about how much the NBA provides off the court stories. How about what's going on in the NFL right now? There are so many juicy stories. And we'll try and get to everything today because we got a lot of good stuff. Plus, a lot going on with baseball, the Padres, uh, the, the question marks around Bob Melvin. We'll get to all of it. Hey, listen, let me start by by saying this. Um, great sponsors. That's what makes this show stay alive, you know. Um, I start with Seven Mile Casino. That's where I'm going to start. Because I met last night with Seven Mile Casino's agency, and they love what we're doing. And I was so proud to tell these guys, hey, we sold you guys on all this but because of the Padres and Cox and Channel 4, man, we delivered so much more. And I love to, you know, kind of under-promise and over-deliver. And, uh, and we're doing that. And you guys are part of it because you're going to Seven Mile Casino. You're having incredible food at Sammy's Restaurant and Bar. You're playing these table games, blackjack poker. You're watching football games. You're enjoying Seven Mile Casino. And we appreciate you guys doing that. If you're going to play, this is the place to go because it's seven minutes south of downtown. It's smoke-free. The food is amazing. The people who work there are all great. You're going to have a great time and you're going to be a winner at Seven Mile Casino, sevenmilecasino.com. Got to send a shout out to a new sponsor that's been killing it on the show so far, and that's Mushroom Life. Um, when you get a Mushroom Life package, and, and by the way, when you buy your first uh, order, it's 50% savings, and they send you a piece of literature just like this. And I don't know anything about mushrooms. I mean, I'm being honest, right? I'm telling you that, that an acquaintance of mine who's become a friend of mine, Brett Weiss, told me, hey, you should come check out what we do. Uh, mushrooms. I go, mushrooms, aren't they illegal? No, no, no. This is like a plant-based medicine. So if you take medication for sleep, if you take medication for anxiety, if you take medication for focus, for sex drive, there's an organic-y, holistic-y way to do that with these mushroom-like products. But I, I read the literature. Know your mushrooms. The chaga mushroom, Alex. Do you know what the chaga mushroom is? No. Let me tell you. Designated as the king of mushrooms, chaga is one of the most well-known beneficial mushrooms packed with antioxidants to fight free radicals for longevity. Um, there's all these different types of mushrooms. They're plants. They grow in the ground. And then people turn it into gummies and try and give you the, you know, the benefit of the plant. So, look, you try them out for yourself. I've had a lot of people who I've been trying to tell you guys that euphoria product, because there is a euphoria product. It's not psilocybin, okay? It's not like trippy mushrooms, but there is a euphoria product and bro, you need to, you need to be careful when you use this product. And the more I tell people they need to be careful when they use it, the more people are buying it. You get 50% off when you make your first order mushroom life, L Y F E mushroom slash great friends. Be careful. Good luck. I hope it works for you and uh, certainly give us some feedback. All right. It's Tuesday. Let's go. Hey, great friends. What is going on? It is a Tuesday afternoon. This is Kaplan and crew with Grande and the Brown Man. Can I tell you really quickly, we're about to go on the air. And I think everybody knows now that, you know, we all broadcast from our respective homes. We have not figured out yet in life how to get back together in person. Freaking miss you guys. But we haven't I'm, tried. No, we haven't really put in great effort <laughs> into it. I mean, but you guys both know that like you don't want to travel from North Park to Cardiff. And I sure as hell don't want to travel from Cardiff to North Park. 
and um, having a space in between might eventually work, but I'm not quite there yet. But real quickly, we're just getting ready to come on the air. I'm in my my home office where I broadcast from, and uh, and I have my window open, and I hear what sounds like a firework, like as if somebody was out in front of my house and lit off like a like a bottle rocket, you know, <laughs> like it just I heard this noise, and I'm like, and I don't know why, but it made me like mad immediately, mad. I was like, what the, what, 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 what the, somebody lighting fireworks off in my neighborhood in the middle of broad daylight What in front of my house? What the hell? Mm -hmm. So I go walk outside, like thinking, you know, I mean, there could be some smoke literally and figuratively. I walk outside, there's a guy and he's walking an e-bike. One of those e-bikes that has like the <laughs> extended back where you can put two kids on the bike, you know, yeah, you got the, yeah. the driver of the bike not even a rider. He's a driver. You're the driver of the bike. And then you got the two kids seats in the back and he's taking his kids to school. And, and this guy comes running around and I hear like this explosion of a, like I said, a firework. I walk outside. He goes, I go, Hey, how you doing? He goes, Hey, what's up? I go, nothing. He goes, did you just hear that? I go, yeah. He goes, look. And it was his back tire. His back mm. tire went flat and dude, it was so loud. It was as if like somebody had lit off a firework. And I, again, I was like, man, like what the hell? I'm going to kick some ass. You know, mm -hmm. then I went outside and just some you come to Oxnard with me one day. Tell me. You'll hate it. You'll hate it there, dude. Why? Because people There's are lighting off fireworks all day long. Fourth of July all weekend. Every really? weekend. Yeah. Really? No, I don't My, mind uh, the fireworks. I, I just <laughs> thought in the middle of the day, yeah. you know, like what the hell's going on out there? So, Little did I know uh, some guy's bike tire exploded. It's funny you bring that up yesterday. I had probably, uh, a very similar story to that gentleman uh you we we were gifted e-bikes here on this show with a previous sponsor and i've ridden mine like as hard as you can ride it dude like funny how i would challenge that i would challenge I, that i really i really think it's funny how you you think of I, it as having gifted an e-bike i was yeah, given one yeah as part of pay that, sure but i was still given to me i know but that's okay on, well i i, I got an e-bike hurts my feelings I was paid an e-bike. Yeah. Whatever. It didn't roll off. The hey, dude, listen, properly. when I, when I was, when I was a kid, man, I used to come home to my house and my dad yeah. was a wheeler dealer mm -hmm. and my dad would, I, Hey dad, uh, what's with the golf cart in front of the house? Oh, well we did a job for a guy and he couldn't pay us. So he paid us by giving us his golf cart. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way things went for reals. Yeah. In my and the house. true story probably is, yeah, I did a job. This fool didn't pay me. So I went to his house and I took his mm -hmm. golf cart. Yeah. I, I kind of decided to edit it more like he <laughs> yeah. gave it to us rather than we took it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's awesome. But we did, no, we had, we had an e-bike sponsor for a while. And uh, part of the deal was, is that not only did they pay whatever for the ads, but yeah. then they gave e-bikes to you guys. Cause I wanted you yeah. guys riding them so that we could really, you know, put a bunch of yeah. stuff out on social media. All right. So as you were saying, well, the one was... I got is very mountain bikey. Uh -huh. And here in North park, if you go down Pershing, there's this thing called the velodrome. So there's like the, the mm -hmm. where, where bikes do their thing. Well, but then there's used, also, you know, that, that, that hosted um, the Olympics in, in the Olympics in 19, whatever year it was in, in Los Angeles or whatever in yeah. the LA Olympics. That yeah. was where the cycling was done. Oh, did not know that. That's yeah. awesome. Cool. But I literally walked, there every day somebody check but, me on that somebody better check me on that uh but there's also a dirt road thing mm -hmm. right next to it like where the san diego city college play baseball mm -hmm. there's yeah. a dirt track yeah and so i like ride around everywhere 
And when I come up Pershing, I jump off road and I'll do a couple laps on the dirt just cause it's fun. And, and you know, the e-bike, if I ever, if it does get a little too difficult, I'll just, you know, pump it up. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I was down on Florida and zoo place. If you're familiar with North park, you know, zoo place is a freaking hill like this, man. Like e-bike or not, that's a tough hill. Like you say on, on the backside of um, Balboa park coming up correct. by the zoo. Correct. Okay. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got, yeah, it got like it. Like over where the Naval uh, yeah. our, the hospital is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm like, dude, my battery is being drained hard right now. And I'm pedaling like a mofo. And I'm like, what's going on? And I look back, dude, I got a flat tire and I'm three Ooh. miles from my house. And I'm three miles from my house. Mm. And I'm what, uh, Browner, how far is that from like, uh underbelly that's there's a bike shop right there's like a mile or two or a mile and a half from underbelly maybe. mile and a half mile and a half so i have i'm like okay so i gotta up push this thing up up two hills mm-hmm. and, yeah. I, and it's heavy mm-hmm. i get to the bike hills, shop too. sweating my ass off flat tire and i'm and by the way i just got this thing serviced top to bottom took it into a shop got it tuned up new brakes new everything because i really have been riding it a lot and get to the bike shop Close on Mondays, and I'm like, all right, oh. well, I gotta push this thing all the way home, man. Literally, helmet in hand, take off my stupid Red Bull glasses. I feel like an idiot because I'm not riding at that point. I'm walking <laughs> with these glasses, and I'm like pushing the stupid bike. I I don't know how four miles home yesterday. Oh man, yeah, yeah, it was brutal, brutal. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't hot. Like it was a really, really nice day yesterday. That's why I took it out yesterday. It was so nice. But damn, it was it was a nice day yesterday, man. About yeah. I don't know, maybe like two o'clock in the afternoon yesterday. My daughter Julia, she um, in high school. I guess they get out like a couple days a week early. It's like called a zero period or something like that. So she gets out of school early, and when she does that, we we say, okay, hey, we're gonna meet for lunch, and then we're gonna go for a walk, and it's just the most valuable time, you know. And it was just a gorgeous, mm. gorgeous day yesterday. Brown, uh, I, I see you rocking that brand new hat that you got for everybody yesterday. You're looking sharp. You're looking colorful. Shut out. Shut out. What's uh? What you got? Any like to me? Fireworks turned into flat tires. Grande's got a flat tire. You, you got any problems? Flat tires? No, man. Yes, no. I've I've had that problem before, and then I got on the internet and I basically live streamed the entire uh, fixing of the flat. At a, at a bike shop, I think it was in uh, uh, down Golden Hills. Um, but for me, dude, yesterday I rode the bike, ironically, to Trolley Barn Park and set up a hammock, chilled in a hammock, and uh, wrote some jokes. That's it. You you took a hammock. What does that mean exactly? Does that mean you like have just a hammock and then you put it on one side of a tree and another side of the tree? How does that work? Mm-hmm. You just well, how described do you ho- it. How do you hook it? How do you hook the hammock to the trees? Uh, I wrap it around. I have some, uh, it's like see, these hooks and straps. Yeah. Uh-huh. Boom. Because a lot of people in that park, hammock. And so, bam, went in there, hooked it up, sat on there, went through my list of jokes that I'm working on and, and random things I've written and what, what does this mean? And turned them into jokes. And that's what, wow. I, and that's what I did for like you rode three hours yesterday. And then wrote some jokes. Dude, yeah, great afternoon. Yeah. Great yeah, day. man, it was it was nice, man. I was looking up at the sky and making fun of stuff. Nice, man. Good for you, bro. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Out. Excellent. Well, Is hey, any we- uh, Daniel Jones jokes in there? Because that was a joke. No, I didn't. I hadn't got to that last part night. yet. I watched every snap of that game. I have a problem. Oh, okay, well, l- let's talk about this for a quick. Second. You want to know why though? Yeah, let me hear. Because you talk about BetUS, right? Shout right. out BetUS. Like, I don't know what the spread was. I don't know what the over under was. I don't know anything about that. But what I do know 
is that I was going up against Kenneth Walker and the Seattle Seahawks defense. Up oh, wow. 40 points. Bro, mm. the Seahawks looked like a combination of the Purple People Eaters, the 1985 Bears, the Steel Curtain. The Seahawks looked like the most 99 Madden all the way across the board yesterday. I won by point eight points last night because of the Seahawks defense. Like that's what fantasy football has done to me. It's like a freaking I'm like scratching my neck. I'm sweating. <laughs> it was just intense. And it, the game sucked. Like Joe, Joe Buck and Troy were game. literally saying they mm-hmm. literally like went in like, Hey guys, we're still here. Like, is anybody yeah. watching? Like, yeah. you know, like they're making jokes. Yeah. Like it's right. so terrible. And I'm there sweating this out, dude, sweating it out. Well, can, can we just, Think about this for a second. So last night, Monday Night Football, like I will tell you that I did not watch every play of the game. I was at a restaurant last night meeting with these our friends from Seven Mile Casino, and the game was on on the TVs, and I could see it was a blowout. But think about this. If you owned an NFL team and you drafted a quarterback in the first round, and that quarterback four, five, six years into his career is still in your – he's still your starting quarterback. And you had a choice to make. You you had to make a decision at some point. His rookie contract is over. And here's what starting NFL quarterbacks make. Not not the top five guys, not the top 10 guys. This is what average NFL starting quarterbacks are paid to do this job. Because there's there's only like 70, 80 guys on planet Earth that can do that. And the top 32 of them, they're the best of the of the hundred that exist. Yeah. So so Daniel Jones, the Giants were at a crossroads where they were like, we either pay this guy what starting quarterbacks get paid, which is like $40 million, or we let him go and we start over. And we either start over by drafting a guy that we think is going to be our future, or we band-aid it with a guy who's probably just kind of like Daniel Jones. Or you know what? Maybe we're caught up in the moment that our new coach came in. We made it to the postseason. We actually won a game in the playoffs on the road. And you know what? Now we got to pay this quarterback. And they paid Daniel Jones this offseason, the Giants. And he's now a $40 million a year kind of guy. 46. Even worse. He's a $46 million a year player. And the player that he was prior to last season when, by the way, they won a playoff game, but they weren't really, really very good. I mean, the Giants last year, there was a point where they had lost like five, six games. They Mm -hmm. snuck in. That's right. They snuck in. So last night's game is like a perfect example of you got to have guts as an owner to go. We drafted. We've gotten four years in. I don't really think he's a great player, so I'm not going to pay him great player money. I'm going to guy there go draft another guy and and put money into other parts of the team. Or I'm going to band-aid with some sort of a free agent like a Jimmy Garoppolo type. You know, I'm going to band-aid it with a guy like that. Mm-hmm. But man, Daniel Jones is terrible. And actually, since we're starting there, dude, just show us some of the video. Because last night, the coach, Brian Dable. Oh, dude, <laughs> did you see when he goes over to... uh Okay, we're watching the video now. It's after the uh, pick six at the at the one yard line, right? So yeah. wait, I, I play the whole he, video because he throws the, the tablet. He, I don't think we saw that there. He, watch Dayball, the coach. Okay, my bad. He he throws the tablet and he walks away and he's like, "Man, he threw the tablet because Daniel Jones wasn't looking or listening to him." 
And so he was again. basically Watch talking to a wall and he just, you know what? Whatever, man, you're not listening. And just throws yeah. the tablet and people are making a lot out of that. Listen, Brian Dable is a good offensive head coach. He's a good head coach. And they sat up whenever Saquon Barkley doesn't play. This is pretty much what Daniel Jones looks like. And so this is why it was so baffling to people mm-hmm. when of all the running backs, they didn't want to pay him. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to pay Saquon Barkley after they had paid Daniel Jones because this is what it looks like without Saquon Barkley. Right. They could have so, they could have paid Saquon Barkley, made him happy, although right. you know he's hurt. And they could and they could have gotten another quarterback. I mean, literally. Yes. Do you, do you realize that the Raiders this past weekend, when they started this kid, Aiden O'Connell, the backup quarterback was Brian Hoyer. So they have a veteran backup quarterback behind Jimmy Garoppolo, and they're like, no, fourth round draft choice rookie out of actually, I believe he was listed as the number two quarterback, Brian Hoyer, but they yeah. went with Aiden O'Connell instead. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. Daniel Jones. And you know what? Yeah. Go I'm ahead. not going to defend Daniel Jones because yeah. the Giants are bad this year and he's not played well. And I, I think we all said like that the Giants got stuck in a corner and they, they took the coward's way out and just paid the guy instead of doing yep. probably the smart thing going somewhere else. Yeah. But that offensive line is a, is a joke. Mm-hmm. What they did yesterday to oh, allow man. 10 sacks. I mean, dude. 10 sacks. Man, listen. Seahawks defense ain't that great. Like we've seen it, you know, week one against week two against the Rams, whatever it was. They're, they're not that great to no, get but 10 sacks getting... on a guy and immediately right. every snap there's he's under pressure immediately. Like, right. Come on. Man. But when you get 10, when you're sacked that many times, this interception that he threw, the game was 14 to three and it was still a, what I would call a, uh, there was a chance to still win this game. No, it because wasn't. I believe I mean, you at know what that I'm saying, time, I believe. I could be wrong, but I believe at that time Drew Locke was in because Gino got hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you like you're like, oh, maybe because right. what we've seen Drew Locke in Denver. So be terrible. So here's the point though, but but you've been hit all game long. You have no running game of any kind. And now you're down along the goal line and you throw a terrible pass. And I guess my favorite part of the of the pick uh was watching Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. By the way, I don't know who's on more TV commercials. Is it Peyton and Eli together? Or is it Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes, or some combination of those guys? I mean, now there's even a Peyton and Eli like Hawaiian rolls commercial. You know, get that money, dude. I look at Peyton Manning, and he's wearing a golf shirt, and he's got it tucked into his khakis, and he's just as like like just vanilla as possible, and he's got the weirdest like body to look at, not playing football. You know, he's got this super super long torso and neck. I don't know. That Hawaiian roll commercial just kind of cracks me up. But watching them last night and watching Eli as his former team, the Giants, through this pick six, and the fact that they didn't say anything during the Manning cast, I thought it was hilarious. Did you see this, Brown? I saw that, yeah, when they got the pick six and they both put their heads on top, their hands on yeah. top of their head. Yeah. yeah. Show, show this for everybody who's watching. Yeah. Alex, if you could. Give me something. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Make a play. Um, Eli saying, oh no, oh no, make a play. And by the way, the game is in New York. Did it sound like it was in New York? I mean, I, the Seahawks uh, defender is running towards a, a pick six and it sounds like the crowd is going nuts. Listen, we, we might want to start readjusting what, what it means to have your crowd taken over. Because I think the home fans know that this team isn't good. So we're going to sell these tickets and make some money. 
because these stadiums are getting quote unquote overran by the like Seattle's a long way from New York. Yeah, I don't That's think those fun. were Seahawks fans. I think that was a weird like vibration in the sound in the background. I think New York likes to see things and something happened, and so they they, they cheered because something was happening. Like I there's and it's another thing that you said about the sacks. I think Alex said about the sacks. They're less good offensive linemen than there are good quarterbacks because every team's got a bad offensive line. Like, look around football. <laughs> every single every team, team has a bad one? Everyone. Every single Nobody's team. Nobody's good. Pick, you tell me one where the quarterback isn't like, oh, this guy blew the block on this play. This guy blew the block on that. The Chargers have a problem. This guy's got a broken hand. Uh, uh, Denver's got a problem. The Bears have no pass rush. Russell Wilson's still running around. The Giants. Great head coach, great offensive coach. Great. This guy got sacked ten great. times. What's great about him? He had you don't think Brian Dable's great? No. Why should I think he's great? He had one good year for the Giants last year. And by the way, Kevin O'Connell, great. What's great? Do Kevin I do I? Great. I think Kevin O'Connell is good. I don't think he's great. I think he's he good. A, he was thirteen and three last year and hosted a playoff game. Brian Dable last year was like nine and eight. Brian Dable has also a history with Josh Allen. One. Okay, and, so that's one. And under and under, and then he did went to New York. And did the same thing to Daniel Jones. Now, let, me ask, now let me ask you a question. Did Kevin O'Connell, did he not win a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford? So That's more than would, what Brian Dayball did with Josh Allen. That's a great question. I guess question. I'm just hung up. I'm hung oh, up no, on no, the fact that question. he's like a great, great coach. Let me answer his question first. Sean McVay had more to do with that than Kevin O'Connell. How do you know? Because it's Sean McVay's offense is not Kevin O'Connell's offense. But he took that offense and was 13 and 3 last year with Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. Whose offense is it though? Okay. Okay. Timeout. I'm calling a quick timeout because this thing's going to go right. This thing's not going to, this is going to turn into like a, a non discussion, really. Look, bottom line is this Daniel Jones is terrible. Yes. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this question since both of you guys have ridiculed me about my, my, Daniel Jones? my telling you that, that uh, Zach Wilson, I'm not giving up on Zach Wilson. Also Seriously. terrible. But let me ask you. I don't know if I should ask the question, who's better, Zach Wilson or Daniel Jones, or who's worse? Zach Jones. Zach, Zach Jones. Zach <laughs> Wilson. Put them together. No, you just answered it. Yeah. You just answered yeah. it. Zach Jones. <laughs> Put them together. Zach Jones. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you, you said something funny. You're like, there's 70 quarterbacks in the planet. There's so many people on the planet that can do this job. There's 32 of those are the only ones that could actually start. And I'll argue there's probably six that are actually good. Yeah, that's that's – Listen, we started looking at it yesterday. You started ripping off names of guys who were starting quarterbacks in the NFL this weekend. And honestly, there's a lot of names in there you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, you can give a you I give passes to Bryce Young. I give passes to Jordan Love. I give like the the rookies I give passes yes, to. But at this point, like, can you are we are are people not already have people not already thrown in the towel on Bryce Young? Oh, plenty. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I so give, like if you, I, like, I give a pass you take to the rookies to, in there too. Right. I give a pass to the kid uh, Richardson uh, from from um, the Colts. Indianapolis. Right. I mean, that mm -hmm. guy led a twenty-three point comeback. They didn't win the game, but I give mm -hmm. that guy a pass. Aiden O'Connell, yeah, fourth round draft choice, making his first start. I give him a pass. Dorian mm -hmm. Robinson Thompson, um, the guy from or Dorian Thompson Robinson, the guy from Cleveland, who he's a, a I don't know what round he was drafted in out of UCLA. But he's a first-time starter in a game against the, the you know Baltimore, and they got smashed. I don't I don't blame that young yeah. kid. There's there's a handful to ten good quarterbacks in a league that has framed all of their rules to make it easy to pass the ball. 
We should actually, we should actually look a little bit more into this. Everybody stick around. We got a lot to get to today. I'll tell you this. Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, was getting heckled at the Charger Raider game by Raider fans. I want to get to that story. And the Raider locker room is falling apart as everybody is selling out their coaching staff and the organization. Raider fans, you're going to need to stay tuned for this. Plus, Padre fans, a lot of moves made around Major League Baseball yesterday. Managers being fired and coming available. What's going to happen in the Bob Melvin situation? We're going to get to all of this on the way. I feel like we have so much great content today. I feel like we're going to have so much fun. So everybody stay right where you are. This is Kaplan and crew from the 7 Mile Casino Studios, 7milecasino.com. Coming right back. Hey, great friends. What's going on? Today is Tuesday. It is October 3rd. This is Kaplan and crew with Grande and the Brown Man. I want everybody to stay tuned because a little bit later on in today's show, the legendary boxing announcer and longtime great friend and one of the originators of the old Scott and BR show, Jim Lampley, the old lampoon, is going to be by later today. You ready to talk a little pow, pow, two-piece and a biscuit, Brown? Always. Always. Pow, pow. I'm telling you guys, man, I don't know if everybody sees it the way I did, but, man, this, this Canelo fight this past Saturday night is just boring. Like – Boring in a Floyd Mayweather kind of boring way. You know, like where Floyd doesn't do anything and just dances around for 12 rounds. And you're like, why did I buy this fight? I don't know. How'd you feel about it, Alex? Uh, I just thought that you have to have a willing participant if you want to have exciting fights. Didn't have that, huh? No. <laughs> no. I mean, you can't blame Connect. Like, what do you want him to do? Like, what do you, uh, like, just- honestly, what do you want the guy to do? Um, smell blood in the water and knock a fool out. He did knock him down. He went for it one time. Yeah. Oh, sorry. One time. I'm just saying the guy, the guy was fighting an undisputed middleweight champion. I mean, what do you want him I'm to not, do? I'm not taking anything away from the guy. You said he was scared. I said unwilling to participate. Scared. Say I'll scared. never say a guy is scared because right. I, I wouldn't get in the ring with him because <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared. But the dude was, I mean, it felt as if. It felt as if every punch that Charlo threw was directed at Canelo's arms. Like mm. I don't know. Like it just—I'm sure Lampley saw it much differently than I did and can explain. But there, it, to your point, Canelo didn't throw a thousand punches. If that's what you're looking for, yeah. All right, we'll talk to Jim Lampley about it coming up in just a little bit. It'd be nice to have Jim back, so he doesn't have to just focus in on Canelo. It's—it's it's been a long time since we've had him on. And uh, Jim, the last time he was on, guys, weren't we in my Solana Beach house at the time? In person. And what was it, Alex? In person. Yeah, he was in person. I think it was it was me, you, Alex, you, Brown, Jim. I think his wife, Deborah, came that day. And nope. no, just Jim by himself? Jim. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. All right, I guess I don't have that great memory. Well, I wonder if we could find it on YouTube. I wonder what date that Probably. was. Yeah. Anyway, Jim Lampley will be here a little bit later on. We're in the 7 Mile Casino Studios, 7milecasino.com. We started with football today. So you guys want to stick with football? You want to jump into a little baseball here to get started? Because the the Raiders story, I, I don't know if you guys have seen this. I know we used to show fight videos on the show all the time. We kind of stopped doing that. Did you see the video of the, us, char- uh, the Charger fan and the Raider fan? And the Charger fan is like up a row and he takes his head and his hat and he kind of puts it into the face of the Raider fan. And then the Raider fan like moves back and then kind of moves away and then starts moving up the stairs. And the Charger fan... This guy's not holding up his hands. There's not a, they're not you know, squaring up. And this Charger fan goes, boom, 
and punches this Raider fan square in his jaw, dude. And the Howie Long jersey? Uh, yes. The Charger fan, I don't remember what jersey he was wearing, but he had on like a powder blue. And mm-hmm. the guy's wearing the Howie Long jersey. And the, the yeah. Raider fan, the Charger fan goes, boom, punches this Raider fan square in his jaw, dude. And the Raider fan gets up. He's like all like disoriented, right? Oh, my God. And now he's like, wait a second. This guy punched me. And there's all these people around. And nobody's doing anything about it. I better go kick his ass, right? And then he, but he's like wobbly, this guy. I mean, he is really wobbly. And the Charger fan, boom, hits him with a left and like knocks him out. And people are like, hey, chill. Like nobody's jumping in. Nobody's trying to stop it. Raider fans don't like all jump the Charger fan guy. So there was like, there was a lot going on at that Charger Raider game on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Listen, dude, these fights now, these Charger Raider fights have become semi-neutral territory because I also saw a fight where two Raider women were fighting each other. Oh, so I, I I think you fight with who you came with. So if this <laughs> if this man came with some people and they are Raider fans, then yeah, they would have jumped that guy. But this guy apparently drunk or know. got punched drunk, yeah, talking know. loose and caught know. a two piece. Yeah, that's, I it, I that's all. I don't know, but but the guy who the guy who delivered the two piece, I mean, it was I, I don't want to call it a complete sucker punch where the guy's not looking. But it wasn't like the guy was squaring up or was jumping at him or was you know, shut facing your off mouth. With him. Then shut your mouth. Well, I don't Let know what was said. Shut. How do I know? No, what no, was no. Said? I'm not talking about you. No, I I'm mean talk- the guy, the guy who got punched. Again, in these situations, shut your mouth. If you don't know this person, you start talking sideways, or you may say something that they interpret the wrong way. The guy could have made a joke, and the guy who punched him threw the punch just didn't like the joke. At these situations, in these games, at these stadiums where people are drinking all day, fired up, wishing they were on the field and they not, that, that, that testosterone, that energy, you can get knocked out. You I have an idea for, for stadiums across the country. I mean, this is, a, this is a thing everywhere. You know, this isn't like sport violence is everywhere. But yes, it in, is. in America, like chances are you're going to get arrested or kicked out of the stadium, right? Like if, if that happens, security is going to show up eventually. They'll grab some people. If you're involved in the scuffle, banned for life, banned, and announce it too. Announce it if you get oh, in like a physical a, altercation. Like a, yeah, they're like on the watch. child, the child yeah. predator list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get in a physical altercation, you will be banned for life. Yeah, no stadiums, no arenas. Yeah, no stadiums, no no like this particular stadium. Like you're out. You ain't coming back in here. Yeah, forever. Well, there's this there's this video going what around. Happens? There's there's this video going around of this guy. He's a Raider fan. And he's at SoFi Stadium. And Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, is sitting in a box. But the box is not like far away from the fans. It's not glassed in. You know what I mean? It's he's he's sitting like put it this way. He's in a front row and in front of him is a walkway, you know, like a, a, a hallway. I mean, it's just but he's sitting in the front row. So anybody who could walk by and go, oh, hey, there's Mark Davis. And it's not like he'd be so far away that you couldn't reach him. If you if he wanted to high five you or fist bump you, Mark Davis could do that. If if you knew Mark and you're like, hey, Mark, you want a beer? And Mark would be like, yeah, man, get me a beer. Like he was he was that close and that accessible. Maybe that's what he thinks is like a cool thing. Hey, I want to be visible. I want the fans to know I'm I'm part of the, the Raider Nation. But dude, this Raider fan goes pulling up on Mark Davis. And he is bawling Mark Davis out about how bad Josh McDaniels is. And eventually, because at first it kind of looks like Mark Davis is like, I'm going to sit here. 
I'm going to be cool. I know there's people videotaping this right now. I don't want this to go viral. Gosh, I don't want to look like a jerk. But then eventually, I think Mark Davis kind of gets to a point where he's like, yo, enough already with you, all right? And then security starts to finally like do their job. Take a look at this. Let's let's watch this video together. Let's. Dude, you got to understand, there's guys there in tank tops, wife beaters with Raider tattoos all over their body. On their going, body, bro. Right, and they're yelling F, the F word, F Josh McDaniels, F Josh McDaniels, F Josh McDaniels. And finally, after Mark Davis is like, kind of like, all right, I've got it already, guys. I don't know what he's saying to these guys. He's pointing to his he's head like, up. oh, smarten up. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? I can't afford to fire him. Smart enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I still think he's a, I think he's a great coach. Smart enough. He's a great yeah. coach. I eat at P.F. Chang's, not Nobu. Right. You see like, my haircut? I can't afford to I ain't fire got no money. Him. Yeah. What a strange thing, man. Me. You, got, you got guys in Raider tattoos on the skin of their body. I love this team. I'm passionate about this team. I hate this coach, and I have a chance to tell the owner about it. Boy, these guys were giving it to Mark Davis. I want to tell those. So uh, brings us back to San Diego. Listen, we're gonna have this conversation about bad owners and, and all this yesterday. Mark Davis, I don't bad owner, good owner, whatever. What I do know is this: fans care more about their team than the than the than the owners do sometimes. <laughs> and these particular fans, if you have enough, if you have enough passion and support for a franchise, were you willing to tattoo? something on you like you care more about the results of the team than mark davis does mark davis cares more about the bottom line than the results and i'm willing to mm -hmm. say that for the majority of nfl owners that listen hey we're trying we're trying but at the end of the day i get 300 million dollars in revenue if i don't lift a finger i just gotta hit that salary cap floor that's it so if i think broke that even every if they broke even every year, a lot of these guys wouldn't own the teams. Right. Put it like that. Right. I don't have I don't have Mark Davis's portfolio in front of me, but I'm willing to bet that it's not a long, it's not a long big book. And I'm willing mm -hmm. to bet that the Raiders cover most of that portfolio for Oh, Mark dude. Davis. He's never had a, a job or a career <laughs> or a business. He was Al Davis's son, and that's how he became the owner of the Raiders. So it's nobody's in the Green Bay Packers situation where the, the, the city basically kind of owns the team in a way. And it's brand by a board of trustees. Like, no, this is this guy who you yelling at, that's the owner. So you know this is what you're working with. You <laughs> you know his tendencies, you know his financial situation, because you can look it up. So yeah. if you're a smart Raider fan, you know you can't afford to fire him. Like well, that's been out there for a long time. I don't want to I, I mean, don't want to tell just... people how to be fans, but sometimes it's like you just gotta look at reality and who is your leader. You know, like who Correct. is leading this organization? And it's like, if you want to feel that way and be so passionate about it, go for it. Great. But it's the Raiders and it's Mark Davis. You know, mm -hmm. at, can you just like got to be a little smarter? Yeah. Smart up. Like, yeah. honestly, like expectations are what coming into the season 
as a Raider fan, what are your expectations to fire Josh McDaniels after week four? That's what you really want. Like that's, that's going to make you feel better. Is that going to make you better as a team? I don't know. Like, I'm not telling you that Mark Davis is right. I'm just telling you is like reality, man. Maybe it would. What was was the guy's name a couple of years ago? uh, The Raiders fired um, Gruden and then they hired their Uh, special teams coach, uh, Rich Bisaccia. Yeah. I I don't know how the hell I just pulled that out. Rich Bisaccia. Killed it. And and he actually led the Raiders, as I recall, to a playoff appearance. Was he the leader? Uh, Was he their coach when? They beat the Chargers in Week 17. Yes, I, yes, I yes. think so. Because yeah. he was going to kneal. Yeah. He was going to take right. a knee. Yeah. They both yeah. were going to go to right. the playoffs. Right, right. But then yeah. Staley went, you know, right. Staley on you. Yeah. And, and Rich Bisaccia <laughs> was a special teams coach on John Gruden's staff, and they were better with him as a coach, maybe because he was a better decision maker. I mean, maybe firing Josh McDaniels is the right move to make the Raiders better because when you do what he did, and we talked about this extensively yesterday, when you have a rookie quarterback who's a fourth round pick making his first start. And you're down by seven, and you've got 240 to play in the game, and you're on the three yard line after completing a fourth and 10 play. Um, having the quarterback throw the ball on the goal line versus giving it to Josh Jacobs, that didn't seem like a very smart coaching decision. Now, but Alex, I also, the, I just real quick in the locker room, uh, in the locker room, there's the, you know, Devontae Adams is the first guy that the, from the Raiders that's talking. I read an article where Devontae Adams, his idol is Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan told him, hey, you want things to change in the organization? Talk about it publicly. Now, there was some video that we have today. Um, and I, was this Josh Jacobs? I, I actually didn't know who yeah. it was. Okay, I thought mm-hmm. that's who it was. Josh Jacobs now, this is now turning into a thing in the in the, the Raiders locker room. First of Adam. Another player that, that didn't want to pay. And now here's Josh Jacobs. So they're not going to pay me. I mean, they're not going to give me the big money, the big long-term deal, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I might as well say what I want because I want to play here. Yeah, I believe he held out until like Friday before the first Sunday game, yeah. or something, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Here's here's Josh Jacobs, the the Raiders running back, probably their their number two most important offensive player and option, and they didn't give him the ball. And here's what he said after the game: For me, it's frustrating, man. I'm tired of losing. Just keep it a hundred. Tired of losing, man. And uh, I mean, I, I feel like every day I go in there and I, and I work. So, so eventually something got to give. Is the fact that it's close, is it like, okay, we're right there? Or is it just even Nah, man, that make it worse. <laughs> that make it worse, man, because that, that just means, you know, five to six plays, you do them right. Difference in outcome of the game. But, it's, but at the same time, you're tired of saying five or six plays, difference in outcome of the game. It's just time to do that. Yeah. Yeah, this kid is, uh, he's like, I'd like to get out of here. This coach sucks. This organization sucks. Not only did they not pay me, they didn't give me the ball at the most crucial time. And you know what, Brown, I'm going to tell you something right now. I feel the same way Josh Jacobs does. I like to keep it 100, too. I mm. I got to keep uh, it 100. Uh, can I just, about these people being upset about these players talking like this, because a couple of the Bears players are talking like this. One of them's no longer with the team. And the other one, if he won the quarterback, would probably be, no longer with the team. These guys are mad because they're losing. Like, football is the worst sport to continuously lose at. Because physically, the pain that your body has to go through to play a game is by far the worst. So if you're losing, and then you have dysfunction on top of losing, and then you have what, you know, Inadequate pay, I don't want to say, I mean, that's lack of a better explanation because they're making tons of money. Even he is, and he's inadequately paid. 
You just can't take it. You just oh, can't I mean, take it. That's Austin Eckler's deal. I mean, Austin Eckler right. is not playing for the Chargers mm -hmm. because he has a boo-boo. And, and it's not because he has like some major injury. It's because I'm not sacrificing my body for the 6 million bucks. These guys are going to pay me Correct. and take another year off my career. Screw that. Now, if you guys get into a playoff race, I'll come back and play. That sounds fun. So I just, it, a lot of guys are responding like this around the league. And Alex said this, I think he said this yesterday. There's a lot of bad football out there, man. And we watching, we're going to keep yeah, watching. I know we're like not last talking, night. Man. That was a gross game. That was terrible. <laughs> that was hard to watch. And if they put another one on tonight, magically out of thin air, we'd all yeah, watch it. Right. I mean, they could put Mac football on tonight on ESPN, and I'll I'll just watch it. It's a football game. They could put a high school there's game also, on tonight. There's also a, um, I think, a realization across the league and across football fans that what happened in New England and the success in New England, I, I think that we all talked about it for years, but I think it's becoming a universally accepted thing, that that success was because of Tom Brady, not Bill Belichick and this coaching staff. Which I agree I mean, with. If you, look you, know at what what, people say? you know what people say? Well, not the early Super Bowls. They weren't about Brady. I'm like, the, everything was that about Brady. That would be Brady. me. That would be everything. me. That would be me saying that. Everybody. It, it, it was always about Brady. They just didn't know it. Yeah. And and now history tells it. Yeah. Josh McDaniels had Cam Newton. How'd that work out? Josh McDaniels. I mean, I guess I'm pretty sure I remember Mac Jones being pretty decent his rookie season. So maybe that's what they're like. Oh, he fixed Mac. He had Mac Jones. And and look at what Josh McDaniels did with Mac Jones. But if you're the, if you're a Raider fan, was anybody excited about the Josh McDaniels hire? The way it ended Not that in Denver. I, remember. I mean, yeah, they, should, like, they, so, they should have kept Basaccia because you Basaccia, keep, and, and we, he, we keep he talking about Denver. Leader. Yeah, we keep talking about what happened with Josh McDaniels in Denver. Don't forget, he quit on the Colts. The, the, yeah. he took the job and then untook the job. Mm. Like, so, so this is not a guy who who is making smart decisions in general. Well, I mean, maybe not. <laughs> well, coaching just for the what Scott said about Pasaccia, it's like I remember. Like they weren't very good, but they rallied around that dude. Right, like they played hard. In what that dude said, they played right. hard. And but this and, is and this so is, much of the NFL is like that. But this is gets back to our whole conversation yesterday, and we can bring it all home here. It's you, you know you find out if owners are good owners or bad owners. We're about to find out if Peter Seidler is a good owner or a bad owner. Um, and you know what? People celebrate Peter Seidler because he did something that the Padre fans have never seen before: spend Me. like the Dodgers, right? But he spent like the Dodgers, and that surprised mm -hmm. people and that excited people. But now the question is, how is he going to fix something that's wrong in the organization? In the case of, of Mark Davis, he's a bad owner, even though he got a stadium built and not with any money of his own, just using the brand. He, he is a good owner because he got a new stadium in a new market. He's a bad owner because he keeps hiring the wrong people. And those wrong people are, they're bad at what they do. And Multiplying. the product on, and the product on the field is bad. So, uh, by the way, I should just tell everybody this segment of Kaplan and crew being brought to us by our friends at mountain trust realty services and our guy, Gary Cooper, 858-376-1299, 858-376-1299 is a complicated time in the world of real estate right now. So if you're thinking about, Hey, maybe this is the time to buy, cause maybe the rates are going to drop and then my, my payments are going to go down, but I can get in now rather than wait. Cause the prices are going to go up. Talk to the pro talk to Gary, 858-376-1299 for Gary Cooper and Mountain Trust Realty Services. So I want to talk about the Padres coming up, but before we get on to that, since we were talking about the Raiders and the Chargers, you guys catch any of Justin Herbert's presser about you know the broken finger and what's going to happen? This guy, yeah. I don't know why he feels like he has to be like the company spokesperson about how happy and comfortable he is with uh, the Chargers medical staff. I guess, I guess given that's how he got his start 
in the in the league was when they you know they punctured the lung of Tyrod Taylor. I don't know. He he, he like. Oh, maybe they put it in the contract. Hey, you have to be nice. Well, let's 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 take a listen to Justin Herbert's presser. Thank you. Uh, it's just a bit of scratch, uh, just a flesh wound, and um, just got stuck in a helmet. But uh, thankful for all the doctors and all the trainers out there to you know help me get through that. Is it actually a flesh wound, or was are you just quoting Monty Python? That was just a quote. Okay, so yeah, so we shouldn't quote you as saying it's a flesh wound. It's yeah. something different. Yeah, I, I don't have all the details right now. Okay. But you, what's yeah. the pain level at? Um. It's not bad. It was it was good enough to go back out there. Um, it's just one of those things that uh, you know you have to monitor over the next couple of days, see how it goes, and um, we'll we'll wait for more details. Do you expect uh, to miss any time, Justin? Um, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think I don't have all the information right now. Um, if I was able to go back out there, and, and the doctors and trainers felt like it was safe, um, you know, I'm sure it's up to their hand, their hands, and um, you know, I've I've always felt really safe and comfortable with them working out. So um, we'll see what they have to say. Talk with. So, isn't it weird? Like, um, you don't have all the information. Look at your finger, bro. How, how's that for information? Does that is it a flesh wound or is it not a flesh wound? You know, I don't have all the information. You have the finger, don't you? He's the, nailed coach speak already. God, it's and how old He's is he? You think? How old is that kid? 24, 25. I'm blown away by some of these young guys and how how young they are, and they're they're smarter, I think, and more savvy. Then I I probably give them credit for for being so young, you know. I do it in college. If you go to Oregon, you're gonna be in front of cameras and mics from from the get go. You know. Yeah, yeah, I know. But that's that's impressive. Not saying anything. Good job, Justin Herbert. All right, coming back. Let's jump into this Padre situation. What is the next move? Let, Jim let's Lampley get... next. Oh, Jim Lampley's coming up next. Oh, perfect. Stick mm. around. All right, great friends. Hey, um, halftime report here. I want to mention a few of our sponsors, as we always do, because we encourage you to uh, utilize our sponsors, especially when you need them. Tori Holistics, California Holistics. I guess we all need them a lot because um, I talked to Charlie, their marketing director. We got to have him back on the show. I asked him uh, recently, I said, how's it going, man? He told me, good, I'm going into the studio to record a new album. I'm like, new album? What are we talking about here? I didn't know anything <laughs> about an album. He was, well, I've decided it's too late in my life to become a pro boxer, but I could still become a rock star. I'm like, my man, that is amazing. And speaking of amazing, that's our promo code. You use the word amazing, whether you're buying in shop, Tory Holistics or California Holistics, or if you're buying for delivery, you use our promo code amazing, you save 20%. It's really just that simple at Tory Holistics and California Holistics. And don't be bashful. I know a lot of people get intimidated. I don't know enough about this. I don't want to ask this question. Maybe it's going to make me sound stupid. Dude, when you go into the shop, you talk to the bud tenders. They know all about the brands. They know all about the effects. Um, and I think that you're going to find that all questions are welcome. These people love to talk about cannabis. Okay. Tori Holistics and California Holistics. Hey, um, I'm getting great feedback from listeners and viewers on BetUS, BetUS.com, uh, 1-800-MY-BETUS. Bernard Thompson, my man's like, Hey, this is in the YouTube chat, dude, BetUS been using them for years. Best service. I was like, wow. I mean, they're in business 30 years. They're with us two years. Um, recently I was at an event and Tommy, Tommy came up to me and he told me that he had deposited all this money in his account and he gave us all this credit for it. I don't know exactly how that works. Um, but neither here nor there I'm hearing from you guys that you like this platform bet us. And so I'm like, I'm using it myself now, although I got spooked a little bit last week in some of these games. Um, so I'll be coming back this week. I should have, I should have bet. 
I really thought Colorado could cover that spread against USC. I should have bet that game. Anyway, if you're looking to play this football season, BetUS.com is the place to go to set up an account. BetUS.com, Sportsbook and Casino, where the game begins. A uh, big shout out to my guy, Gary Cooper, Mountain Trust Realty Services. I say this all the time. It's a complicated time in the real estate space, but you should be calling Gary. 858-376-1299. Gary, is this the time to buy? What kind of cash you got? You know, um, what kind of house you're looking for? How long are you planning on being there? Uh, because interest rates are this today, but they're likely going to be this, you know, tomorrow and you can get in now and it's going to feel like maybe a stretch, but a couple, you know, a year from now, two years from now, when the interest rates come back down, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're earning that equity and you're going to wind up paying that lower interest rate. And people like Alex who bought their house a year or two ago, dude, you guys were, you struck at the right time. Cause when you've got those interest rates at like 3%, those are great. Now they're up higher, five, six, seven, whatever it is. But it's still a great time to be looking at real estate. And I'm not the expert. Gary has talked to him. 858-376-1299. 858-376-1299. All right, let's do it. Let's get back to it. All right, great friends. Hey, it's Kaplan and crew with Grande and the Brown Man on a Tuesday afternoon. And I said earlier, I'm so happy to have Jim Lampley come back on the show this week. And Jim is standing by. He's ready to roll. Jim, good afternoon. It has been, uh, it's been too long, my friend. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, it's been about a hundred year absence. Uh, and I'm regretful about that. But uh, now I am back into the fishbowl of boxing and uh, excited to be once again with you guys. So I think the last time we were actually looking for the date, last time that we were I all together. It. Oh, you did? What was the date on that? Yeah. Alex? December 18th, 2019. Unbelievable. That's just a couple of days before I left um, mm -hmm. San Diego and North County, San Diego to drive to Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and uh, have been here on the ground, Chapel Hill, almost uh, every day since, had a couple of quick visits back to California. But for most of the time since then, I've been in the Tar Heel State, and I'm back in the Tar Heel State right now after a glorious five days in Las Vegas at the Canelo Alvarez versus Jermel Charlo fight. Yeah, Jim, before we talk about the fight, um, December of 2019, none of us at that moment knew that the world was going to change in the next three months. All we knew is that you were leaving San Diego. You were going to North Carolina. You were going to start teaching media at North Carolina, your alma mater. I can't believe it's been four years. I mean, it's in your entire life to have the history of, of what happened during COVID. We'll always know COVID and what it means. It's hard to imagine. There we were uh, four years ago, that picture that Alex just showed. It's and hard it, to actually believe. happen again. And, and, you know, and we need to be cognizant of the fact that it uh, can happen again. I was just checking my vaccination status this morning because I went to get the uh, flu and uh, uh, COVID shots. So, uh, yeah, the world changed. That was part of it. I had intended to teach one semester. Uh, that was a successful venture. That was part of it. I wound up teaching five semesters of uh, communications 490 before taking a break right now to reorient, perhaps develop another course for the uh, communications department here. And, uh, and then the opportunity arose to come back 
uh, to explore a new medium, really, uh, in relation to the boxing match. And part of what I talk about in my course is the continuing uh, technological evolution of communications and how new systems affect uh, personnel, business, money, the message, uh, et cetera. That's a lot of what we talk about. So uh, this was a perfect example to be a part of uh, a clear demonstration of how that works, going to Las Vegas, not to talk about the fight verbally, but rather to be involved in digital chat. Uh, and interact with fans during the course of the fight. What was that digital chat all about? Because it almost sounds like it goes back to, like, I hate to say, but like the mid-90s when, when I first got a chance to meet you. When, when I was working at a company in Florida called CBS Sportsline, I know you were, you know, kind of a, I, I'll call it a content contributor back then. Um, I don't even know if that's the right term. But what, what, what were you doing this past weekend at the fight in Vegas? So I was sitting at ringside with the um, former LA Times boxing writer and uh, boxing writers award winner, Lance Pugmire. And we sat together, watched the fight uh, at relatively close range, not like my old position, um, and made comments during the rounds, made comments between rounds and interacted with um, people who were watching the fight at home. and had uh, subscribed to ppv.com, ppv.com on their uh, laptops and uh, could uh, comment on what we said or comment on the fight themselves or ask questions. And uh, we kind of pick our way through the content as we go, dealing with all of those kinds of things. Part of the new experience was after... 30 years of saying I don't score fights because I never want uh, my call of the fight to be held hostage to a scorecard. This time I did score the fights uh, and it was an interesting experience on the undercard to uh, to be at least playfully scoring one fight, which turned out to be another one of those egregious, oh my God, how did it happen type judging robberies of which we've seen too many in the past. I guess they'll never stop. Uh, and, and then going forward to, uh, the main event where my scorecard was directly in line with two of the judges who also had 118, 109. So Jim Lampley is here, the legendary boxing announcer and longtime great friend. He's joining here uh, with me and Grande and the Brown man, Jim Lampley's in North Carolina. And uh, obviously spent a lot of his time. I say obviously because a lot of you guys know this. Spent a lot of his time in San Diego. Moved out of San Diego four years ago. And it's the first time we're actually really catching up in four years. Brown, take it away. Jim, you talked about the technology and being a part of it and trying to get on the 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 train that's moving in that direction. Where would you rate boxing on its use of technology in the sport in in comparison to other sports? Almost constantly in transition. Uh, there may not be any sport where the media scene is so seemingly almost all the time in a state of entropy uh, as it is in boxing. Every time I walk into a media room, uh, I become aware, well, of course, I haven't been there for close to five years, but walking into this media room, I was more aware than ever of all the changes that have taken place. There are podcasts, there are specific radio talk shows devoted exclusively to boxing. There are general radio talk shows which talk about lots of other things. 
and boxing. There are uh, new ways of television distribution of boxing. There might be another new way in the future. HBO left the sport. As of last week, it appears Showtime is leaving the sport. Uh, ESPN still remains, but we don't know exactly what that means in the future. Pay-per-view seems to have uh, edged other out of the marketplace, but is not going to continue to exist. There are rumors regarding uh, the imminent entry of another Leviathan into the scene. The bottom line is uh, boxing fans have to be continually alert and resourceful in finding out from um, constant media, like the newspapers that still cover boxing, a precious few, like the websites that still cover boxing, an increasing number, uh, through that polyglot arrangement of various media, boxing fans have to be uh, resourceful enough to figure out how it is they're going to see the fight or uh, follow the fight. And PPV.com is yet another entry into that world. The obvious purpose of what I'm doing is that we're ancillary to the telecast of the fight. Our expectation the other night was a lot of people are listening to Mauro and his expert commentators, and then they're piping into their computer to say, I don't think that's true. What do you think, Lampley and uh, Pugmire, da, 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 da. And, uh, and we did what we did. But uh, it was fun. It was uh, a new way of contributing. It seemed to get a good response from however many people there were. And I don't know the number of people uh, who did it, but the... A little buffering there from Jim. He'll jump right back in. I don't know for sure. Uh, a little more buffering from Jim. And I think he'll jump right back in. Okay. Your pictures went away for a second uh, yep. and, and now they came back. Yeah. It's a little buffering, last, Jim. It's all good. The last fun thing that happened uh, within the whole weekend is that, or the last two fun things that happened within the whole weekend. Uh, and this goes to my name dropping capability. <laughs> uh, after the fight, I went to a dinner at uh, one of the hotels in Las Vegas where I had a chance to have an hour and 15 minute conversation face to face with the hottest TV writer in Hollywood, Tigler Sheridan of Yellowstone and a variety of other projects. He turns out to be an, an encyclopedic boxing fan. And we, you know, pretty much ran down everything he wanted to know about the sport for the last 30 years. Uh, that was fantastic fun. Scott, you know well how coincidental my life is and continues to be. Turns out that Taylor Sheridan was born in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Oh, my God. Uh, and any of you who are hip-hop fans uh, might be interested that my seatmate all the way home from Las Vegas to Raleigh-Durham was Big Daddy Kane who is a legend <laughs> in the early development of hip-hop nice. and still a mover and a shaker and another encyclopedic boxing fan. So everything about the whole five-day experience was fun and rewarding, awesome. and I'm, I'm going to be going back to a couple of fights in the fall, or at least so it appears. I figured, and this is something I wanted to ask you, what was it like when you walked into the arena and people start to go, hey, there's Lampley. 
the when the and maybe it wasn't just the day of the fight. Maybe it was the days leading up to the fight where you got to re-engage with the sport that everybody associates you with. What was it like for you? Well, Tuesday night when I walked into the MGM Grand Hotel, which is of course my longtime home away from home, uh, and even by Tuesday night, everything in the MGM Grand entry and main lobby, et cetera, is about the fight. They already have the ring set up in the lobby and uh, and lots of posters and promotional material. And I playfully said to uh, one of the writers uh, who asked me about that later, I said, yes, I was mobbed by four people in the lobby of the uh, <laughs> MGM Grand Hotel. Uh, and when I came out of the arena, after the fight, I was mobbed by 400 people. So uh, th there was a reverberation. There was an impact. When I walked into the media room, uh, I was warmly greeted by a lot of people who in the past might have seen themselves as uh, members of rivalry organizations and wouldn't have been so uh, rapid and running across the room to hug me, shake my hands, et cetera, et cetera. It was a warm welcome back to uh, the boxing media fraternity, and that was uh, fun, heartwarming, thrilling for me. The whole five days uh, turned out to be a, a one-time only exercise in Lampley appreciation. I don't expect that to uh, continue because once I keep going back to the fights, it's going to be, yeah, there he is again. But uh, on this particular occasion, because I had been away for so long, it was all proof that absence makes the heart grow fonder. Uh, and they were fonder of me, and I was fonder of them. Were you fond of the fight? Uh, the fight was obviously, from a competitive standpoint, disappointing. Uh, I had an early hint of that when Charlo showed up for the pre-fight news conference on Thursday, wearing big, black, face-obscuring um, goggles goggle type sunglasses and never took them off. Uh, and that immediately signaled to me, he's maybe he's not comfortable with the event. Uh, the fight I think demonstrated that he was overwhelmed by the event and he, he wasn't able to bring it in the way that he had ardently promised he was going to do. Some of that goes to Canelo, uh, who was well aware that a lot of members of the media were suggesting that he had declined and I was, quite explicit in saying before the fight, I don't think he's declined. Uh, I think that the, the fight he lost to Dimitri Bivol was a classic matchmaking error. There was nobody in the Western world who was clamoring for him to fight Dimitri Bivol, a bigger, longer, uh, spectacularly skilled, well-trained Russian athlete uh, who is easily ignored by American audiences. Canelo didn't have to fight him. Why and how he chose to do so, I won't understand. But by losing a fight that he should have lost, he he managed to encourage this whole uh, line of dialogue that, oh, that fight and then the Golovkin fight uh, and then the Ryder fight all demonstrate that he's slipped. Ryder fought to survive. Golovkin, you couldn't knock him out with a sledgehammer. Uh, you know, so there was, to me, no evidence whatsoever that Canelo was, quote, in decline. And I think what happened the other night demonstrated he's not in decline. He, he's still a contender for top pound for pound, as he insisted to me he is. 
I did ask him a question about, you know, are you going to make a fight with Terrence Crawford to try to get your top pound for pound label back? And Canelo instantly said to me, I'm still number one pound for pound. Anybody who thinks I'm not number one pound for pound is in for uh, an agonizing reappraisal. And, you know, he stated his case Saturday night uh, against Charlo. So take your pick. Uh, I do think a Crawford fight would be a spectacular matchup for public appreciation. It's a crossover fight that would move beyond just the boxing colony into general media. Uh, whether the 21-pound weight gap can be bridged in such a way to make the fight, or whether the world can convince Canelo that he ought to be interested, because he insisted to me that he wasn't, uh, we'll see. But uh, at the end of the day... Uh, he fought very well the other night. He easily dominated a guy who wasn't ready. Uh, and he made his continuing case that he's not, quote, in decline. Jim, do you believe that uh, that boxers still respect the fans? Because you said something right, very interesting at the end of, the, at the end of your, your last answer about guys fighting. Uh, to, top guys fighting each other like back in the day you had all these legendary big name matchups do you think that fighters still want to give fans that or are they more interested in being able to control the purse and get the most money out of each fight that they can possibly get i think their their managers and their promoters are unquestionably more interested in the last thing you said they're interested in controlling the purse interesting controlling in uh, the relationship with the consumer in such a way that they maximize the income for the fight. But on the other hand, how is that different from, from uh, the first part of what you're suggesting? The best way to make the most money is to give the fans what they want. Uh, so again, if Crawford uh, and Canelo want to make the biggest money possible for the two of them, it's to make a fight against each other. If they can't bridge the weight gap and therefore both fighters continue looking at other options like Jamal Charlo for Canelo, uh, like a rematch with Spence for Crawford, then that's what happens. And uh, fans don't always get exactly what they want. Sometimes they have to uh, accept the better foul part of valor. And, you know, uh, Rolling Stone said it, if you can't always get what you want, you try to get what you need. Uh, and that's the plight of boxing fans right now in this polyglot media environment uh, where there is no hard and fast guarantee that a fighter has to fight the quote number one contender because the governing bodies don't have that kind of power. If there are four governing bodies, suppose somebody wants to strip you of a title. Who cares? There are three other titles. The public has already accepted your presence at the, the status where you are. Uh, you keep going on and exploiting the economic opportunity and that's just the way it is. Jim Lampley is here. Hey, Jim, now that you have come back into the boxing world and back into the, you know, active media world, I look forward to having you back on the show. I know that, you know, the last few years you've kind of laid a little lower. Um, we got about two minutes to go. I just want to ask one personal question, and that is this. At this stage of your career, what still motivates you to want to work? The fans and the fighters. And, you know, somebody asked me, I'm chewing my uh, gum right now to, to keep from getting emotional. But somebody asked me when I walked into the media room a question like that, you know, what brought you back? And I said, the fighters. Um, 
at the end of the day, I've said this many times, it's a sport about love. The fighters fall in love with each other. If you report them over a long period of time, you're going to fall in love with them as people. They are special people doing a unique and special thing. There's only one place in the world you find it. And that's the place where you find it. I covered every other sport. Uh, I had emotional relationships up to a point with every other sport, but not like this. Uh, because they give so much, they risk so much, they accept so much in the way of uh, difficult emotional feedback. And when you watch two fighters fall into each other's arms after 12 brutal rounds, think of Gaddy Ward, think of Barrera and Morales, think of Riddick Bowen and Evander Holyfield. When you see that spontaneous embrace at the end of a ridiculously brutal fight that goes the distance, they are expressing their love for each other. They're expressing at that moment the fact that there's nobody else in the world, not even their mothers, who know as much about them right now as they know about each other. Mm -hmm. I cherish the way they treat each other. I cherish the way they fight. And I cherish the way they fall in love. And in a general sense, I'm still in love with all of them. Wow. Mm. Wow. That's the truth. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Brought me back. It's not the money. It's not attention for me. Somebody said to me this morning, "Are you happy with all the attention you got last week?" I said, "It's not about attention for me. It's about attention for the sport. I love it and I support it. And as my wife always says, for eighty, ninety percent of these young men, this is the only way out, or by far the best way out. So." If it can be supported, I support it. I want medical standards. I want anti-performance enhancing drug standards. I want uh, responsible and legitimate business practices, but I want them to be able to fight each other. And I want to see it. The legendary Jim Lampley. Um, Everybody take a breath and, uh, and let that sit for a second. We're coming right back. Stick around. This is Kaplan and Crew. Right. Great friends. Uh, for those of you that are just joining us here in the seven mile casino studios, gosh, I hope you guys were with us for that Jim Lampley interview. And I did not mean to try and Barbara Walters him at the end and start making him get emotional, but he's no, no, I didn't because I didn't know what his answer was going to be. Like, I really didn't know. Um, and, and by the way, we, we ended the segment, we went to the commercial break and the three of us and Jim continued the conversation thereafter. Yeah. And I actually felt like from the very beginning of the conversation, he was emotional. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I just sent him a, you know, a message. It's gotta be emotional to make your, I mean, people, he's Jim's been, like you said, Olympics, every, every, every event that you can think of in sports, but people know Jim for boxing and it's gotta be just emotional just to go back there. Like he said, yeah, four people mobbed me as I entered the MGM, Mm -hmm. 400 people mobbed me when I left the fight. It's mm-hmm. got to be the most emotional thing for him as an emotional person that he is. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's already an emotional person. That's got to be, I can't even imagine how he felt when he went back to his hotel room that night, Saturday. I, yeah. And I just, I do, I, I don't like to, a lot of times, cause I know he's an emotional guy and yeah. I don't want to like get caught up where I like, next thing I know I'm kind of bawling too, but this has been like this for the, the length of our relationship. When he talks about sports, when he talks about the, uh, the human part of sports, when he talks about heart and fight and will and just, I mean, any words you can come up with, 
it is emotional for him. And the idea of why do you still want to work? I don't know how old Jim is. I, I'm going to say he's in his probably his mid seventies, just be a guess. Um, why do you still want to work? You've been famous. You've been in movies. You've, you've been a, a pioneer. You've made a ton of money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You live in, in, you know, small town, North Carolina. Now you're not living in a retired life in San Diego in a big fat house. Like, what is it about, you know, sports? What is it about what you do in sports that makes you want to keep on going? And when he described that love for the fighters and the way the fighters, they know more about each other at the end of a fight than their mothers know about them because each man knows what they're made of. You know what I mean? And that's emotional stuff, man. And um, gosh, you just. Gosh, just, I want him back I, calling my fights. I know. God, I Nothing love against Mauro Ronaldo. Nothing against Mauro Ronaldo. For me, Mauro Ronaldo is excellent. And I, I like the way I picture Jim Lampley. In boxing, I picture Mar Ronaldo in mixed martial arts. So when I hear a Mar Ronaldo called boxing, it just doesn't hit the same. And no disrespect to Mar, I'm not saying he's bad. It just doesn't hit the same as a Jim Lampley pay per view. When Jim Lampley and Harold Letterman and uh, the dude that yelled at at Mayweather, if I was what's oh, Larry name? Merchant, Larry Merchant, when mm -hmm. it was those three, yeah, God, that that was to me the pinnacle of boxing. Yeah, well, it was it was Larry Merchant, Jim Lampley. Like, um, I'm trying to think of the trainer. Oh the trainer. gosh, I can't come up with his name. Uh, oh, I'm, it's going to kill me. I can't come up me with too. it. Me um, too. oh my gosh. Uh, short black guy. Yeah. Um, what's I know. oh man, I can't come up with it and it's going to kill me. Cause once you say it, I'm going to be like, damn it. It's I so know. on the tip of my Emmanuel Stewart. Yep. Yes. Emmanuel Stewart. Emmanuel Stewart. I got it before Emmanuel Google. Stewart. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they go over to Harold Lemmer. Harold Lemmer. Well, Jim, what yeah. are one? One yeah. two in favor of yeah. Golovkin. Yeah. I remember that might be man, your like, best impression, bro. Dude, That's when really they went funny. to when they went to the Showtime, went to their scorecard guy. Mm -hmm. It's not like he was on Zoom. And he was just like, well, I think Canelo's uh, outperforming Charlo here. It's really not even been close. It's like, where <laughs> is Harold Letterman? Right. Where is he? I know. I, love I don't Jim know what Lampley. this guy's doing. I don't know. What <laughs> God, dude. <laughs> okay, I love, Jim. I love Jim. God, you, that was great. You know, in his and and he would always start that. Well, okay, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jim Lampley been an important part of my life for a long yeah. time, and um, you know he has gone through a lot of. Well, let me put it this way: he's lived life. Okay. Yeah. And and when so I was I living life. And, and I was trying to navigate some things, man, especially in my personal life. And he'd had experience and I would sit with him. Oh man. And we would talk and talk and talk about that stuff. And I, you guys probably also know this story, but you know, if it wasn't for Jim Lampley, I never would have run and, and completed the Ironman in 2010. Jim Lampley got me into that race. You know, I sat with Jim and said, I need to get into this race. You're the guy that brought Ironman to network television. And he was still friends with the guy who was the director on the, the TV show. And he called the director and said, I want my boy Kaplan in the race. And he's going to talk about it on radio for the next year. And the guy got me into the race, you know? Um, yeah. So listen, dude, Something I that, just, he, that he talked about too. And I think it's very, very underreported, but we're going to, we're about to live in a world where HBO boxing is gone yep. and Showtime mm -hmm. boxing is gone. Mm -hmm. I never that, thought. And I remember, I remember going to Jim's house right after HBO got rid of boxing. We did a podcast that day, he and I, yeah. and we talked about why is HBO out of the boxing business? And he was like technology because of the things he talked about. Browner, you asked a great question about do the fighters care about the fans? 
you know? Mm -hmm. And, and his answer was about like, if you're a boxing fan, you have to go find that content. Remember when we were talking mm -hmm. about the Padres earlier in the year and, and, um, Bally sports went off the air and it was like, well, you know, people are going to buy subscriptions, a digital subscription, and that's how they're going to watch Padres baseball. Well, boxing to another great question that you asked Browner about, you know, the way boxing uses media and technology boxing has had to be ahead of other sports in a weird way, considering they don't really have a governing body for the sport. Um, boxing media has had to be ahead of the, the curve in some ways because boxing fans are a different breed of people. You know, boxing fans don't watch, they don't, they don't expect their boxing to be on ESPN. They expect their yeah. boxing to be on HBO pay-per-view showtime pay-per-view. Wait, neither of those things are, are entities anymore. What's next? DAZN or what he's talking about. PPV.com. I don't know what PPV.com is yet. That's yeah. bad. I think that's where I bought my fight from. It was the fight TV app, but pay-per-view.com I think is what I bought it from. But hey, Browner, you, you, dude, this weekend, this mm -hmm. is completely under the radar too. Mm -hmm. Bellator is coming to Pechanga and like one of their biggest cards ever. And mm -hmm. it's here in San Diego on Saturday on Showtime. Mm -hmm. So like Showtime boxing is dying and there's reports that this could also be the last Bellator thing ever because they just can't really compete with the ufc yeah, right and a lot of a lot of fighters at one point thought i got to leave ufc to go to bellator to make real money yeah. and you know? and the thing about you uh, ufc is and it's my complaint but it's also like what they do very well you if there's a ufc fight you know where it's at mm -hmm. it's either on espn espn plus or espn pay-per-view you don't have mm -hmm. to go looking very hard the, the unfortunate thing to me that i thought really put boxing underwater is that you never got the fights. You stopped, not never, you stopped getting the fights that everybody wanted. And that mm -hmm. was the key to UFC. Here's the list. <laughs> Here's the rankings. This person will fight this person based on this. And boxing, for all the great names that have gone through boxing, boxing's never had that. A guy's had to want to fight a guy because his record versus my record, I've seen him, he's seen me, he think he better than me, let's do this. His and promoter, this promoter, you know, this television mm -hmm. network, that yeah. tele, I, I'm signed with Showtime, but he's signed with right. HBO. I mean, that, that's why boxing could never kind of really capitalize. Correct. Know? But that's that's a whole other story for another day. Browner, you know what time it is? Because we haven't gotten there yet. You know what time it is oh. right now? Oh, 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 oh yeah. Oh, oh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot believe how many people ask me about mushroom life now. And the number one qu pe question people ask me, I go, is this legal? Go, yeah, dude, it's legal. It's plant-based medications. And you say, well, tell me more. Dude, I'm learning like you're learning. Here's legal. the literature that, that comes in the box. And they have all the different descriptions of the different mushrooms, like real mushrooms that grow from the ground. And then they tell you what the names of the mushrooms are and what the uh, benefits of the mushrooms are. You know, um, this one, uh, lion's mane is known for supporting the nervous system. Um, this one is, um, supposed to be, uh, overall vitality and immunity health. And another one is for, um, to fight free radicals for longevity. So I'm reading about these mushrooms just like you guys are, but Alex, when you put it up on the screen and I caution everybody about the, uh, about the, you know, more, uh, euphoria kind of product yeah, that, so lame. That is, I know, dude, I got a, I got a message from a guy last night who I know. And he goes, Hey man, um, I want to talk to you about that mushroom life product you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, what, what do you want to know? And he, and he goes, well, the euphoria one, that's the one I, and he almost was like a little embarrassed about it. Well, you don't have to be embarrassed about it. If that's what you like to do. That's what you like to do. do your it's thing, called, partner. 
listen to this. It's called the mushroom is called Amanita. Mm. Amanita muscaria oh. is commonly known as the fly Amanita. It combines two major active psychedelic compounds, mucimol and musacrine, to provide legal psychedelic experience. So listen, you do you, boo. Okay. I hey. I, I told you guys that's we, my life. That is my life motto. Do you, boo? Yeah. I took those mushrooms, uh, those gummies, and um, the next day I was good. But the girls who probably all weigh, you know, 60, 70 pounds less than me, do those girls were hurting the next day. And I say hurting, they just, it took a long time. It says it on the package that it could last like up to 15 hours. So I told everybody, microdose, microdose. Oh. Now, Alex is like, boy, oh. give me them gummies. 15 yeah. hours. First of all, what 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 a dog what what a dog get with the, he popped the trunk? What big dog get? Oh, he coming dog, on Brett Weiss. Brett Weiss, he's coming. Yeah, a big Look, dog. You get, the, you get fifty percent savings when you buy your first order at Mushroom Life. Mushroomlife.com/slash/greatfriends, or even easier, use our website kaplanandcrew.com. All right, so listen again. I'm on that sustained energy pow, and I'm also on that mental energy pow. Get you pow some. pow. So question, obviously, now here around San Diego, now that the pod eighty two and eighty, yeah. And by the way, Alex, you, you hit me up earlier today. Does Callaway have the um, links at Petco Park like already set up right now? Yeah. How no, no, no. I don't that? know if it's already I don't know if okay. it's already set up right yeah. now. Yeah. But the email went out yesterday to people in the know, the link. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh links at Petco Park October 13th to October 22nd this year. And I made an observation oh. on Twitter because I was curious. And this is the state of the franchise. October 15th, 2022, <laughs> we got a great Saturday night watching the Padres eliminate the Dodgers at Petco Park, October 15th, 2022. October 15th, 2023, we'll be hitting some golf balls at Petco Park because 82 and 80. Out yep. the playoffs. Shout out to Callaway. I talked to Jason Finley this morning. I said, Joe Jay, we got to get you on the air to talk about the links uh, down at Petco. That is so much fun. I love that event. It's so smart. I mean, yeah. I give credit where credit is due. And the guys who put that together between Callaway and the Padres, it's brilliant. I think they do it at like, other stadiums now. Yeah, they start doing Anaheim is in November, I believe. And it, it should be everywhere. But well, I, I I almost paid for it yesterday. Oh, really? Almost. Because I want to go and just have fun. Because every time we mm -hmm. go, it's like, shoot a video. Hurry up. Mm -hmm. We got to go to the office. We got to do this. It's like, no. Not anymore. I want my, I want my drinks. I want my shirts. I want my merch. I want to take my time. But I didn't pay for it. I hate King Scott this morning. To hate King James. How'd it go? Are you in? Are you in? We're gonna get in. We're gonna get in. We're definitely gonna go play the links. Just give me the dates, and then we're gonna we're gonna make a date to go. Um, okay, so you talk about Petco Park, and you just mentioned Anaheim. Bob Melvin, as far as we all know today, is still the Padres manager for whatever that means in the offseason. Phil Nevin, the former Padre was fired yesterday by the angels because that ought to help. Um, Wasn't he interim anyway? Well, no, he, he'd gotten the job. They gave him a year. Yeah. And, and listen, okay. if you're Phil Nevin, you might be like insulted in some way, but on the other hand, Phil, I know it's like you went to college up that way and you're from that area, but bro, the angels are a mess. Look, they can fire manager after manager. Nothing's going to change the fact that they had, and they had the two best baseball players in the world on the same roster. And they got nothing to show for it. Nothing, you know, and they're going to lose Otani for nothing and get nothing. And then they're going to wind up trading away trout. I think, 
So Phil, I know, you know, it sucks, man. Cause you know, everybody believes they can be the reason that an organization turns around and it just didn't happen for you. As for Bob Melvin, that's kind of the next thing, because as, as, there are firings around Major League Baseball. You know, I think of Gabe Kapler in San Francisco and others, um, Buck Showalter uh, with the Mets. You think about names of guys that have been fired, and then you wonder what the Padres are going to do about Bob Melvin. Yeah. If you're Bob Melvin and you have a year left on your contract, and I don't really know exactly what his salary is, but let's just play with a number. Let's call it Four. $2 million. Is, is that reported? Is that known? Yeah. $4 million? So Bob uh, it was reported this morning. I read them both. I believe Bob makes around four and AJ makes about two and a half. Okay. And AJ signed through 2026. Yeah. So it's pretty obvious. Like, um, you know, you're going to probably keep AJ. He makes less and he's signed for longer. And as far as Bob Melvin, you could keep him and he's a lame duck manager. And everybody who didn't respect him in the clubhouse this past year is not going to respect him next year because he's got no power. He's got no authority. And if you're, if you're Melvin, you don't quit. Why would you quit and give up that money? I mean, unless you know, hey, you can go make more money somewhere else, maybe. If you're if you're Bob Melvin, and it it is true what people say about AJ Prowler, you can you have friends in baseball that you can get some interviews, you can kick some tires, and you can probably get another job. So I, if Bob Melvin wants to work elsewhere, I think Bob Melvin by the end of the World Series will be able to find an open spot because there are some really good open spots around baseball. But I think Bob Melvin needs to find the right team to manage. And I think this was not the right one for him. If he comes back, again, back-to-back seasons, winning records, baby. But we got to <laughs> see. We got to see. Whatever he wants to do. is it crazy, do. though? Like, the when, when – and I was really thinking about it yesterday because, you know, Bob Melvin all of a sudden, bad manager, terrible fit, just doesn't know what he's doing, bullpen decisions this, you know, lineups that, bad, bad manager. Isn't it crazy? Like when he was hired, it was universally praised across the board. Oh yeah, universally. Absolutely. Not one person said this is terrible. This is yeah. bad. He doesn't fit. He doesn't know how to manage this kind of salary. He doesn't know how to do this. He doesn't know how to do that. Blah 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 blah. And it's like, dude, if AJ Preller can't make it work with this guy, like you're really gonna. And he's already tried it with young guys that he can control, right? So it's like, what are you gonna get that he hasn't already tried? Bye, Bud Black. See ya. Uh, Andy Green and Jace Tingler, basically the same person. See ya. I mean, if, let me ask you this question. If if Gabe Kapler, I'm just using it as an example. That's my if, guy. If Gabe Kapler were willing to manage the Padres, is he willing to walk through the door and go, listen, my understanding is I don't really do much except wear the uniform and look cool. Is that is that what eat I do? Apples in the, eat apples in the dugout and look good for the camera. Yeah, I mean, is that, is that what my job is or do I get Bro, to manage? Jack. He jacked. I don't listen. If I was Gabe Pat Kapler or Ozzie Gian, those are my two people I wish would take this job. I got to talk to a lot of people in that organization before I take this job. Cause like Alex is saying, you get a guy like Bob Melvin who comes down here. It did for whatever reason, it doesn't work out with the general manager. The two guys were basically, you know, puppets. It didn't work out. The guy before him was an actual man as a manager. It didn't work out. So, Whoever takes this job, you better do your due diligence. Dude, because you're talking about you're talking about Bob Melvin, who's a manager of the year three times in his career, who a ton of playoff appearances in Oakland, and you and you pushed him out of town in two years. But like, he did, why okay. would why would you come in here and listen? Hold on, why would you come in here and just like work with with that guy with that guy? Like, why would you oh. want to take that job? You got to be a desperate person or a guy that's looking for a break because no respectable manager would look at this position and be like. 
so you kicked Bob Melvin out in two years because he didn't want to work with you. So now I got to come in and work. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, all, it's, I, it's all, all I would say is, all I will say is this, the expectations that were on this team, Bob Melvin's never managed with that level of expectations. That's all I will say. Okay. Fair point. But um, I'm kind of on the Alex side of these things with, it's like, if you're Dusty Baker, would you be like, oh yeah? Yeah. I'd like no to, way. Like to have that team. Um, no, I mean, what's the matter? What do you mean expectations? 82 and 80. Winning yeah. record. Back-to-back -back years. Awesome. One, one NLCS. I think that's a successful yeah. manager. And they crushed it. Yeah. Yeah. Why y'all mad then? You can't, you can't do you well, can't have it both ways. No, 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 you no, can't no, have no, it both no, ways. No, you can't have it both you, ways. Don't you try to sneak that in here, sucker. You gonna try to rewind three minutes left. Not one. Yeah, you gonna try to repackage that yes. and come in here and try yes. to say it's me who trying to have it both ways. No, you yes. trying to have it both ways. Pew, pew. I'll tell you I'm which way I want it. No, because, I, because I want both of them gone. I think it's time for a fresh start. You're I'll trying to pick one over the other. I will tell I you am. which way I want it. You know what right. way I want it? I want I want to get to the highlight of the day and give some love to Tory Holistics and California Holistics. Can we do that? Because we can keep It's on. time for the highlight of the day, man. Do you want to get high, man? I'm just really high. Yes, the answer is yes, we can do that. All right, Grande, what do you got for the highlight of the day, man, presented by Tori and California Holistics? I don't know. I thought you had highlight of the day today because you wanted to, to give love to somebody. Um, I don't recall what that was, but I really wanted to give love to Tori Holistics and California <laughs> oh, okay. Holistics. That's who Not I bad. wanted to give love to because okay. we, yeah. uh, we're you know, getting late here today. And I wanted to tell everybody that when you go to Tori Holistics and California Holistics and you use our promo code AMAZING, that's the word, AMAZING, yeah. you save 20%. And by the way, you can get this delivered to your house and use the promo code when buying online and still save that 20%. So highlight of the day, is she good for the league or bad for the league? Because Sunday night football, well, Bears Chiefs was like the highest rated game in a really long time for that oh, wow. slot on that network. QB1. But then Sunday night football, Chiefs Jets on TV got 4 million less viewers than Sunday Night Football week three. Wait, I got to do that math. Wait, what? Who, who, who it's, was week it's three easy. Sunday Night? Tell them simply. Tell them simply. Four million, people wa four million less people watch Sunday Night Football this week than week three. There you go. Four million fewer people watch the Jets and the yes. Chiefs than yes. watch the week yes. before, which was? Which was I'm looking right now. Okay, because I don't remember the game. Because like, you mentioned the Bears and the Chiefs, and I was like, wait, what does that have to do with anything? Because that's the first game that Taylor Swift showed up to, and it was like the highest-rated uh, game oh, at that oh. slot for that network and forever. Okay, the Chiefs were playing uh, the Bears the day that Taylor Swift showed up in Kansas City. Correct. And week three Sunday night was Steelers-Raiders. Okay, so Steelers-Raiders beat the Jets and the Chiefs. and By but 4 I, million. I, But I saw all these stats about how Taylor Swift brought with her all this new audience. Correct. Fugazi. Fugazi. Oh, Fugazi? Don't believe it. Don't believe okay. the hype. These girls, these girls, they're not watching football, man. They're looking for her. And if they don't see it, they turn in the channel. All right, do this. Everybody stay with us. Let's go get uncensored right now. Radio listeners, lots more coming your way. All right, time to get uncensored around here. Um, I was, earlier in the day, I was watching the uh, Texas-Tampa Bay start of the playoffs in baseball. Probably the first baseball game I've actually watched. And I, I say watch, I mean, it was on 
probably the first baseball game I've watched in about three or four weeks because, you know, the Padres down the stretch, I was just so irritated. I couldn't even watch it. Um, place looked empty, dude. Like, I mean, totally. what are you watching? I was watching Tampa and Texas, mm. you know, and it was. Where's that at? Um, I Tampa. Be at think Tampa. it was in Tampa. Yeah, it was in Tampa. Yeah, Tropicana Field. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, are you guys into the baseball playoffs yet? I I was Fuck looking at no. the matchups. I was looking no, at the. Um, I won't be. Yeah, t- if Fuck you put it up no. on the screen for everybody, I was looking at the matchups for baseball playoffs. I was like, I was like Toronto and uh, Minnesota. I'm like, gosh, I did not nope. pay attention to Minnesota all year long. I don't even know I can name a player on the Minnesota Twins. Um maybe, maybe if the Rangers make it through the first round and the Rangers and the, and the Orioles, you know, I, I, you know, I would kind of be a Bruce Bochy fan. Um, on the other side, it actually makes me so irritated that Arizona is in the postseason. This young team with this nothing payroll has, you know, gotten into the postseason. The Brewers, you know, not really like, ex- I, I guess what I'm looking at is maybe when it gets down to like Atlanta versus LA, in the National League Championship yes. Series, then yeah, I you then I hope get into it gets it. to that. Well, I look on I'll the do, other side. I'll do what I normally do when baseball postseason starts. Yeah, what what do you do? Not pay attention. <laughs> yeah, I'm with I'll you check guys. The scores. If if the Padres were in it, obviously we'd all be into it. They they'd be playing today. Yeah. Yep. But yep. Full steam ahead. But well, but, but they, they had a great se- but they had a great season. It's they cool. had a great season. They, great season. Pew, pew. they were. Pew, pew. They'd be playing today at right now, four o'clock. They'd be playing right now. Hey man, listen, listen. Y'all could keep y'all could keep, you know, pouring dirt on my boys. It's all good. We we will be back. We'll be back. We all coming no. back. We all no, coming I'm not, back. I'm not pouring dirt, man. AJ back. We Bob all back. coming back. That's back right. Back to back winning That's records. Right. One yeah. NLCS. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. That's right, baby. You already know what time it is. Bring the whole band back together. Back to back winning seasons. Who quitting on that? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Yeah, you talk about all these teams that didn't spend no money made the playoffs. Who gives a damn? The bet the highest three payrolls in baseball didn't make the playoffs. Who cares? Really, the highest who three cares? payrolls. I guess, yeah, the Yankees, the Mets, and the and the Padres didn't make the playoffs. Well, hey, you, you know who cares? The Yankee fans, the Mets fans, and the Padre fans. That's who cares. Why do we spend all this money and get zero return? Why does Arizona not spend any money? Why does Baltimore not spend any money? Why do these other organizations not spend money? And they, you know why? Because it's the same thing in basketball. It's the exact same thing in basketball. You can have a star-laden team, and it doesn't guarantee you that you're going anywhere, or you could actually build a team and keep the coach around and keep your star players around and fill in pieces along the way. And then all of a sudden you become the Denver Nuggets rather than being the Brooklyn Nets, as an example. Same thing. Build a team. Baltimore's been building a team. Padres tried to buy a team. Come on. Man, listen, no. I would listen, listen, listen. Let me tell you something right now. I would rather go and do what the Padres did and do what Baltimore did because they were bad for a, a decade. I don't want the that Padres. for a Padres fan. Again, and that didn't work. That was you got a flash in the pan. That's it. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up. When the Padres did that, you got one flash in the pan playoff appearance, if I remember correctly. Yes? One. The Baltimore one, Orioles were talking about way back in the day. What was the surprise team that nobody saw coming? Or maybe I'm getting that what I'm wrong. I think I got that wrong. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> I don't I don't want to do Let's... I don't want to do what Baltimore did. Because that's not that that's not gonna be long. That's not gonna be good long. It took them so long to get good. They got to pay these kids, and they're not going to pay them. And then you're going to be in the same situation where you're going to suck again for 10 years. I would rather do what the Padres, the Yankees, 
the, the, the Dodgers have done, the Mets have done, what the Braves have done. I cultivate my young talent, and then I pay them. And then some of them who I can't pay, I make sure that I got backups for them when I can't pay them, like when Atlanta couldn't pay Freddie Freeman, and he went crying to Los Angeles. Like, All right. All right. Listen, well, they could pay him. They just they, they, they just didn't pay him <laughs> as much I, as the Dodgers did. That's all. All right. Look, I got to go because I got to pee like a motherfucker. You, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. You wow. got to go. You got to go. He's over. Yeah. He brother, brother got to pee. Gone. Brother can't pee. Gone. Brother can't pee. Gone. No, gone. Brother, brother can't pee. Gone.